0: All right. Good morning. Welcome to Bible Study Live. And today we're going to talk about generational sin. What the scriptures say. We're going to look at a little passage in Jeremiah and wrestle with what it talks about with uh, God punishing children for the sins of their parents. Now, here's the deal. Um, Man, that sounds like a pretty scary thing, right? Like God is good and God is loving and we're all accountable for the things that we do and the choices we make. So how does a loving God? Punish children for their parents' sins. How how does that reconcile? How is that okay? Uh, that's what we're going to wrestle with a little bit today. Um, now, as as with all shows, hold on a sec. Stop. That's that air making noise, uh, like a computer air thing. This because I have a kitten who's attacking everything in my office, and the noise makes her stop. Um, <laughs> As with every show, I just want to start by saying this. Look, the whole purpose is to wrestle with the scriptures and create some conversation without condemnation. The whole idea is hopefully God will open some things up to us, help us to take a look at things in a way that maybe we haven't considered, and uh, to wrestle with what it really means in our lives. Uh, we're not going to agree on everything as we go through this. Uh, we're not going to agree always on what translation to use and what's what's right and what's wrong and, and things like that. But what we're not going to do is argue about it. So, um, the purpose of this is hopefully that we'll all be able to have better conversations and uh, and learn to grow in our faith. So, my glasses look crooked on this, so it's been driving me crazy. All right. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share my screen. We're going to read a little bit from Jeremiah, and uh, I'm going to take a look at it in two different translations today, and then we'll then we'll talk about it. And we'll dive in. So, Jeremiah chapter 32. We're going to read verses 16 through 19. Note. Uh, verses were never in the original writings, uh, and the numberings, these headers were not there in the original writings. I know it's hard to ignore them, but ignore them. Um, these are put in there for our reference and to give us an idea what the translators are saying. Hey, we this is what we believe that this story is really about, right? So, uh, all right, here we go. It says after I had given copies, the copies of the deed to. Uh, deed of purchase to Baruch, son of Nerea, I prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, you did indeed make heaven and earth by your mighty power and great strength. Nothing is too hard for you. You show unfailing love to thousands, but you also punish children for the sins of their parents. You are the great and powerful God whose name is the Lord of heaven's armies. If you plan great things and you do mighty deeds, you see everything people do. You reward each of them for the way they live and the things they do. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. Because this is pretty interesting and it could seem like an oxymoron at first, right? Because first we, we, we see, but you also punish children for the sins of their parents. But then you see that, Uh, In verse 19, it says, you see everything people do and you reward each of them for the way they live and for the things they do. So how do we, how how does God reward people, reward, punish, whatever word, right? How does God uh, keep people accountable for the things that they do, yet at the same time punish children for the sins of their parents? What could that possibly mean? Well, I want to read that in the message because I think it'll shed a little more light on it and give us a little more clarity. Uh, so let's look at the way the message translation says it. And then have after uh, having handed over the legal documents to Baruch, son of Neriah, I prayed to God, dear God, my master, you created earth and sky by your great power, by merely stretching out your arm. There's nothing you can't do. You're loyal in your steadfast love to thousands upon thousands, but you also make children live with the fallout from their parents. sins. Hmm. Great and powerful God named God of the angel armies determined in purpose and relentless and following through. You see everything that men and women do and respond appropriately to the way they live to the things they do. Well, probably important to get a little bit of backstory on what's going on here with Jeremiah. So <clears throat> earlier in this passage, he, he talks about how, uh, or in the same passage, he talks about how, you know uh, God's, God's people, the Israelites were brought into the promised land, albeit not many of them made it. And, uh, they came into the promised land after seeing all that God had done after seeing God bring them out of slavery in Egypt, after seeing God provide, you know, manna as, as they're as they're wandering, like they'd seen the miracles of God, yet they get into the promised land and they don't live the way that God showed them how to live. They don't live like God's people. Right? So as we talk about the punishing of the sins of generation, I love the way the message puts it because this wording, you also make children live with the fallout from their parents' sins. We got to remember he's talking to specific people at a specific time, but it is something we can learn from today. right? How many, how many kids suffer with anxiety? How many kids suffer with just, man, just they carry the weight of the mistakes that their parents have made? I know as a parent, one of the one of the hardest things is looking back and going, "Man, I see the impact some of my bad choices have had on my children's lives. And as we read this scripture in Jeremiah, man, for me today, I feel like one of the biggest things we can learn is this. It's not that God goes, i'm going, I want to punish your kids for what you've done. When we read the scripture in Jeremiah, I think it's a a, a powerful eye opener to say, listen, your kids are going to live with the fallout of your sin because God gave us a world with free will, which means we had the freedom to choose how we're going to live. And in choosing how we're going to live, if we make bad choices, those don't just stay with us, right? They create a ripple throughout the world and it goes from parent to child. Here's a great example. How many you look back in the sixties and seventies where like racism was prevalent, right? And I mean, obviously we can go back further and I'm not saying it's not prevalent today. There are, there are people who are still racist and it's idiotic, but there was a time period where the majority of people convinced that, you know, uh, the majority of people that if somebody was a different skin color, that they were less than how stupid, right? See, here's the thing. when, child is raised in an environment where they're taught that evil is good which is kind of what had gone on here in this part of the scriptures when a child is raised in an environment where they're taught evil is good and they don't know another way you know when they're taught something that's really not okay is okay they they begin to adapt it and then they live out those same problematic views those same unhealthy horrible life choices that their parents made And then they end up reaping the same horrible consequences from those horrible life choices, right? Uh, Let's take it down to something just uh, much more simple. When a child is raised, uh, mom and dad do nothing but eat fast food and garbage and just put a bunch of trashy food in their body. And then their kids think that's the way you're supposed to eat. And then their children end up with childhood obesity and diabetes and they end up unhealthy right and they grow up in an unhealthy physical lifestyle they're it, this is the exact example these children are living with the fallout from their parents sins if you see you see story after story where children grow up in an abusive household and then they grow up to become abusers right hurt people hurt people we've heard that same things like that happen Over and over. So some people get really upset. They're like, you know, oh, if God's so loving, how's he going to punish the kids for the mistakes that their parents made? Well, language wise and translation wise, things don't always translate to English as easy as possible. But that's why I love the way Eugene Peterson translated that in the message where he says, you see everything women and men do and respond appropriately to the way they live, to the things they do. And he says, you're loyal. And your steadfast love to thousands upon thousands, but you also make children live with the fallout of their parents' sins. And maybe make isn't the right word. Maybe it's allow. But the reality is this. We live in a world where we don't like to take responsibility for our choices, right? We live in a world where it's it's much easier to go, well, the world sucks and it's because of you guys over there who vote different than me. The world sucks because of your choices over there. I'm trying to make good ones, but you are screwing everything up for me. How much different would our world be if we stopped and went? What choices that I made have caused the impact in my life that I have right now? I can just speak personally. I remember when I first moved back to Michigan from Tennessee, it was 2011. And I was in the best shape of my adult life. I was running three miles in the morning, three miles in the afternoon. Uh, I was just working on being healthy and I was super committed. And then when I got back to Michigan it was the middle of winter and I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to run. I didn't have an animal, a dog like i had had in Tennessee. So I didn't, I didn't have a, like a, a necessity to get out there and go. Right. I didn't think. And, um, lots of pizza, lots of drinking, lots of late nights, slowly, my body just got out of shape. And then over the next eight years, I'd gained well over a hundred pounds. Now here's the reality. My choices led me to being very unhealthy, which led to high blood pressure, which led to a bunch of medical complications. Uh, blood clot in my lung uh, two years ago. Uh, just lots of stuff. And the reality is it was because of the choices that I made. I made those choices. I chose to not exercise. I chose to not eat, right? But what I didn't think about was in the ways that I was eating, the ways that I was behaving, the impact that it was having on my children. While my children weren't out with me at night, right? They weren't going out. They weren't doing whatever. It's ridiculous to think they don't see the repercussions of the choices that I made, right? So they were living with the fallout of my sin. And as we read this in Jeremiah... What we know is that God's people weren't living the way God told them to. God said, here's the best way to live. Here's the right way to live. Know that I provide for you. Know that I'm your God. Know that I love you. Know that I'll always take care of you. Know that you're my people. I'm your God. I created you in my image to be creators, to love, to forgive, to restore, to redeem, show mercy. I created you to be able to do all of these things. And here's the way that you, 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 you grasp and take hold of that promise. of The power that I'm giving you. Live this way. And the, the Hebrew people didn't. They, they just started living these debaucherous lifestyles. And now, Jeremiah was getting heat because, from the king because he, he was told to prophesy to the king, hey, you know, the Israelites have made some really dumb choices. And this isn't going to end until King Zedekiah is handed over to the king of Babylon. This isn't going to run its course until then. But the interesting thing was that Jeremiah was also told to go buy a plot of land. And it's like, well, why would I buy this plot of land? Right? Like com- common sense would go, well, why, why would I buy this plot of land if, if, if we're all going to get struck down by Babylon? Well, they weren't all going to get struck down by Babylon. Like I was letting them know the choices you guys have made you're going to be held accountable for. Here are the repercussions. Because of these choices you made, because of this, the position you put yourself in, king of Babylon is going to come against you. He's going to take King Zedekiah. He's going to bring the heat. He's going to bring a horrible thing. You wanted to be like the Babylonians. You wanted to live this lifestyle. You wanted to live a life of sin. Well, guess what? The king of sin is going to take you over. And because of your choices, you and all your children are now suffering. Now, don't don't get it twisted. God didn't God didn't want them or their children to suffer. God didn't want them or their children to go through these things. But God was letting them know because of your choices, this is the path you're on. Now let's fast forward to twenty two twenty two as we wrap this up. What choice? What choices? Uh, What path are you on because of the choices you've made in your life? What path am I on because of the choices I've made in my life? And are we stuck on that path? See, I believe that every time we see God allowing his people to deal with the consequences of their choices, it's not so that they can stay in the consequences of their choices, but so that instead they can learn from the mistakes of their choices. And make better ones going forward. You know, there's a reason that the world's not gone yet. There's a reason that Jesus hasn't returned yet. There's a reason we still have a chance and an opportunity. And I think it's so that we can change the way that we're looking at this world. And start looking at it with a little more hope. Start looking at it like, hey, God's got me here for a reason. Hey, God, what is the reason that you've got me at this place in this time? And those better choices and that better life for us and our children start with us saying, the choice I'm about to make right now, how does that love God and love others? Because Jesus said that was the greatest commandment. So that that argument you're about to get into, how are you loving God and loving others in it? That that thing, that frustration you have that you feel like I'm about to lash out at my spouse because I'm mad about, how are you loving God and loving others in that choice? That addiction that you're struggling with, that relationship that you're struggling with, that uh, your career that you're so obsessed with, that you're neglecting your family, all of these things, and, and I'm just going to lay it, like I'm speaking from experience here from a, a very long life of bad choices. Uh, not, not like calling everybody else out. Uh, but these are things that we need to wrestle with. And if we do, imagine the impact of the world that we could have on the world. Imagine the impact we could have in just our homes. If we would say, how is the choice that we're making right now? How is it honoring God? How, how are we showing love to God and love to the people around us by the choices we're making? When we're inviting people over, when we're, when we're spending time with our kids, um, you know, one thing that Dara and I decided this week, we said like during dinner, we used to watch like Cutthroat Kitchen. We love that show. It's a great show. But we decided, you know, when we sit down and have family dinner, we're not going to turn on the television. We're going to have conversation. We're going to talk about what God's been doing in the week, in our lives during the week. And we're going to make that part of, part of how we live it out in our household. Now, there's nothing wrong with TV. and There's nothing wrong with cutthroat cut, kitchen. They're totally fine. But what, what we realized is if we were as intentional about our relationship with God as we are about <clears throat> watching our favorite TV shows, we would probably have a life that looks a whole lot more like God wants it to be. And so as I wrap this up, my question and my challenge to you is what's an area of your life that you could shift gears on? That would help you be more intentional in your relationship with God. What's an area of your life that, as you can hear in the background, my wife, our kitten is now attacking her, if you can hear that, by the way, Uh, the life of raising a kitten when you have a 95 pound Great Dean pit bull mix and a 56 pound pit bull, and they both want to uh, play with a kitten and the kitten just climbs up your leg. It's crazy, but I digress. What choices can you make in your life that will help you get closer to God? Are you being more intentional about your TV shows and your career uh, and your extracurricular activities than you are your relationship with God? And if so, ask yourself, am I really saying these things are more important to me than God? Like, What's the most important thing in your life? Who is most important in your life? And are you living in a way that shows that? I had to do a reality check on that myself. I I love God. I love following God. I I wrestle with some of the stuff. I love wrestling with scripture. But the reality is, if I look at my day-to-day, all-day choices, I was realizing I'm not making God first in my choices. I'm inviting God in in the backside. We were talking about that last night. My wife and I, like, you know, how many times do we go, I'm going to do this thing my way. And then, and then I'm going to ask God to bless it, right? Like, Hey, I'm doing a, B and C and D. Uh, Hey God, would you, would you please bless the stuff I just did? Or uh, like pastor Eddie said Sunday, how many times do we go to God just to beg him for the stuff we need? The Bible tells us God is a heavenly father and a good father wants to have time with their kids. So as we go to God in prayer, We need to go to him, not just to ask for stuff, not just when we're going through a tough time, but we need to go to God to spend time with God because he's, he's our heavenly dad and he loves us. Our actions and the things we do throughout the day show us where our heart really is. You know, as the Bible tells us, right? That's, that's where our treasure is, right? The way that we choose things shows what's important to us. So I want to challenge and encourage you. Ask yourself this week, what's one way that I can choose to put God first in my life, in my home life, in my work life, in my whole life? What's one way I could show God, I choose you first, God. I want to follow your path, God. What's one way you can invite Him in at the beginning, not at the end? What's 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 an area of your life where you could spend time connecting with God? Not just because you want something, but because he loves you and you love him back. i want to challenge you. Pray on that this week. Look for that this week. Look for opportunities to say, God, I want to put you first. And maybe, just maybe, when we start making those choices to live in in a lifestyle that's chasing after God, We'll start creating a life that instead of pouring generational consequence on the heads of our kids, maybe we'll start turning this world into something that pours generational blessings on them instead there you go. That's Monday's Bible study live. Listen, uh, love you guys. I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, so I hope you will join me then. If you like this, you thought it was valuable. Would you please take a moment to share it? Uh, if you thought it sucked, feel free to leave a comment as well, but I'd love to see your comments and uh, feedback. And, um, like I said, if you think it'd make a difference in somebody else's life, please share it with them too. But more importantly than sharing this with them, Make your life something that brings a benefit to other people because no matter where you're at in your journey, you're just one moment away from walking a little closer with Jesus. So go out there and make your day and hopefully somebody else's amazing.